free is most likely to work when your addressable market is absolutely huge and you're able、mm. to tap that addressable market. You're able to tap it and tap it well. So you've got like really strong top of funnel. So free works when you've got a huge addressable market, but then you've also got a really kind of quick time to value in the product.、Mm. Mm-hmm. And so you can get to something that's very easy to set up. And you've got、mm. that, you get to that first kind of magic moment really quickly. Welcome to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast, where I unpack and narrate stories of ambitious people who turn obstacles into opportunities. My goal for this podcast is to create a platform to narrate underdog stories and maybe play a small, teeny tiny role in inspiring you. I intend to highlight the underdog mentality and make authentic conversations with people who play the long game. Take action with the chip on their shoulder and convert obstacles into opportunities. Buckle up, as I'll be bringing some authentic founders, VCs, community builders, and content creators who got underestimated their whole lives and yet they beat all the odds to become insanely successful. Now, today I want to tell you a little bit about our awesome sponsor, Acquire.com. Selling a business is as tough as building a business. As someone who went through this process once, selling my own startup, I know the pain it takes to get to the end zone. This is where our sponsor shines. Imagine this you're a founder who's built a solid SaaS product, acquired customers, and generating consistent monthly revenue. The problem is you're not growing for whatever reason lack of focus, lack of skill, or just plain lack of interest, and you feel stuck. What should you do? The story I'd like to hear is. You buckle down, somehow reignited the fire, get past yourself and the cliches, and start working on your business rather than just in the business. You start building an audience, move out of your comfort zone to do sales and marketing, and in six months, you triple your revenue. The reality isn't as simple. Situations may be different from every founder facing these crossroads, but too many times, The story ends up being one of inaction and stagnation until the, become business, the business becomes less valuable or worse, worthless. If you find yourself here or your story is likely headed down a similar road, I offer you a third option. Consider selling your business on acquire.com. Capitalizing on the value of your time is a smart move. Acquire.com is free to list and they've helped hundreds of founders already. Go to Try.acquire.com slash Sharath and see for yourself if this is the right option for you. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Undefeated Underdogs podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate you guys giving us the attention, your time, whether you are driving, whether you're cooking, or whatever you're doing. I genuinely appreciate everything you do、uh, and like, you know, tuning into the show. Today, I have a very interesting guest.、Uh, A fun fact about this guest,、uh, not a fun fact per se, but a fun story. I think six months ago, I met、uh, one of the employees of this person's startup in a community, and I invited her to, the, to our community, and we instantly connected. So,、uh, big shout out to Abby for bringing、uh, visibility to equals. The, the, the startup founder, Bobby Pinero. Welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? Thanks, Sharath. Thanks for having me.、Uh, I'm excited to be here. And、uh, also, a big shout out to Abby.、Uh, every startup needs an Abby.、Uh, Abby is correct. Just, she's the type of person that 
connects with our customers, gets things done uh, across the whole company, is fully dependable, um, takes on anything and everything with the absolute best mindset. Uh, we're so, so, so lucky to have her. So big, big, huge shout out to Abby. Big shout out. Yeah, that's when I, I kind of, uh, for the first time, I got to know about Equals. And I'm like, this is so fascinating. You guys are building something so, actually, so complex and make it so cool. That's that's the that's the vibe I got when initially on the landing page. You know, yeah, the the comic uh, design and you know, I love I love that vibe. And Abby kind of like you know gave gave a great first impression. So big shout out to her. And of course, you know, I've been kind of following you, followed your launch on Product Hunt and. Of course, I supported and all that, and then I realized, you know what? Let's bring Bobby to the show. We, we, I think it'll be a great conversation. So here we are. And for yeah. folks who 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 doesn't doesn't know Bobby, let me give you like a brief intro. Bobby is is the co-founder of Equals, uh, and I love his mantra. I feel I want to like you know elaborate on that, which is spreadsheet is king. <laughs> I believe that fuels his dedication to delivering the best analysis possibilities via equals like a tool he wished it existed when he was doing uh the analysis analyst job uh, 10 years ago and man i have to tell you this bobby quite a quite an impressive uh you know resume there one one particular stat i want to highlight is that when you join intercom that time it was uh, intercom was like at one million ARR, and when you left it was two hundred million ARR. That's incredible. Like from twenty employees to seven hundred, that's massive. And you kind of led the whole uh, financials, you know, uh, function of it and whatnot. And with equals, you've raised like twenty three million with A sixteen Z, Craft, some of the biggest names in VC. So folks, I mean, you know, he's a Stanford grad and, you know, I love, I love everything that you believe and kind of like represent and express for the founder community. So, uh, super stoked to have a chat right off the bat. I have this very obvious and curious question. This is your first startup with, you know, with equals, right? Before that you were working at intercom and even before that you were, you were at, a I think as an analyst, financial analyst. So at IBM, if I'm not wrong, so it's it's kind of like a corporate to startup e, and you have your own thing. Why left like a comfortable, super cushiony, uh, you know, safety net job, and why chase something so uncertain, where you don't know what happens tomorrow, right? Like, talk to me about. What made you, what kicked your butt and say, you know what, I, I had enough <laughs> of this nine to five gig, even at Intercom, right? Like uh, it was, it was, it's, it's a super popular uh, brand in, in startups, right? So talk to me about it. Like why, why did you left uh, both of those jobs and, you know, started Equals? Yeah, it's a, it's a really great question. And I mean, I think I've reflected a lot on this and hopefully, um, you know, some of the wisdom I've, I've kind of gotten from this is, is, is useful for folks. Um, you know, I want, I like to, in hindsight, I like to look back and say, like, I had this master plan. Like I moved from big company, IBM to like another startup that was like 150 
200 people or so. And then I joined Intercom, it was 20 people. And then I started my own company and it was, you know, right. the whole progression was this natural thing <laughs> of, uh, I'm just going into smaller and smaller companies. And there's some truth to that, you know, mm. uh, I graduated and I went and worked at IBM and it was, I don't even know. I was in the finance team there and that the finance team was like 10,000 people, which is insane. Man, yeah. It's insane. <laughs> and, and you kind of quickly learn, learn, you know, um, you just learn kind of what you like doing and you, you go mm. through experiences and you trust that every experience is the thing that you're supposed to be doing and you're supposed to be learning from. Mm. And you kind of just follow what, what, in, what excites you, what interests you, what, what is it that is, you know, giving you the most energy and giving fueling kind of like, you know, your, your creative passion. Mm. And so for me, you know, as I worked my way into smaller and smaller companies, I just found that that's what I liked doing. I liked right. being in an environment that was fast paced, that was one where I had a lot of ownership mm -hmm. and responsibility, where I had a lot of impact on the business, mm -hmm. but then also one where more of myself got to kind of come through the work, if that makes sense. Like I got to see myself more and more in my work product because I was mm. closer to it and I was closer to the front lines of it. And so mm. for me, like when I was leaving Intercom, for example, there was a moment where I was trying to decide what to do. Mm. And the easy next step was I had lots of opportunities to go and join another series A startup, 20 people sure. do the intercom thing all over again. And in some ways that was the, you know, I kept thinking to myself, okay, I can do it. I've done it already once. I know how to do it. I'll do it better the second time. Mm -hmm. uh, now I've got, you know, all sorts of companies that want me because I have the intercom experience. And so it's just right. this easy thing. It's a you natural the badge. Right. Yeah. And it's what everybody was nudging me to. It was like the, Every VC was like, hey, we want you to be the head of finance of our Series A company. Or, mm. um, you know, uh, you've done it, so it's a comfortable thing. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was just, it was, I remember I had an offer letter from a great, great, great Series A company who's, who's now gone on to become an absolutely stellar company. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and I was sitting there thinking about signing the offer letter and I just, just like a, a small part of me felt like it was dying. It was like, just like a little, like, I just felt like there was like this energy, like leaving me. And then every time I thought about working on something like equals, bringing something of my own to the world, I just lit up. It was like all my energy came back. It was like all this like passion and excitement just fueled through me. And so in some ways, like, yeah, sure. It's riskier. I, I remember getting on phone calls with people and they were like, don't take that. Don't start your own thing. Take the other job. It's way more secure. You're going to make way more money. Hmm. And I was like, no, I can't do that. That like this, if, I, I need to follow the thing that gets me really excited, gets me energized. Hmm. And if I do that, and if I make every decision in my career that helps me kind of follow that, I'll end up in the right place. So it's kind of like a um, if I if I'm understanding it right, there is a part of you who always wants to build for yourself, and like you said, uh, the partly it's intention working at these you know companies gathering experience or badges for that sake of conversation, like you know intercom as a as a credential on your your resume and all that. Uh, 
And were you always like a builder, like in, in your Stanford days, like you want to like build something, you know, create something, you know, that type of a person. And if yes, I would love to like uh, understand what would have you done before uh, even like, you know, joining IBM, like, is there, is there a builder part that's like, now you're a hundred percent builder, right? Like you're, you're building this, you're hiring people, you're giving opportunities, you're providing value to, you know, some of the biggest brands like Notion and et cetera, et cetera, using equals. So talk to me about, uh, uh, Bobby as a builder. Yeah. I think we're all, uh, I, I think we're all in some way, shape or form kind of creators. And, mm. uh, you know, the thing that I've learned about myself is that when I approach my work, not from a place of, Hey, I want to build this company so that it's a multi-billion dollar company. And, you know, all these accolades from an external perspective. Mm-hmm. But when I instead, when I approach my work from, I want to create something that inspires people, that brings love and joy into the world, that helps people, that makes them better at their job, that makes them more confident in the decisions that they make. Mm. When they see our website and they get lit up because it's different and it's colorful and it's playful and it represents us, that's what makes me really excited. Mm. And when mm. I bring that into my work, then then everything else is like i i trust that everything else is going to kind of take care of itself mm-hmm. and so i think we all have that i think that sometimes we sometimes we lose that it's mm. really easy to get kind of sucked into like you said i need the badge i need to work at this company because i need right. my resume to look a certain way mm-hmm. or i need to go to this school or do this thing and no doubt that all, that all obviously helps but I think I think a lot about what is my intention behind what I'm what I'm doing. What is mm. it? Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I want to help people? Because I want to inspire people? Because I want to create? That's I think that's in all of us. And then I think you can bring it into whatever job you're in. If you're a founder, obviously you're doing that in some way, shape, or form. If you're an artist, you're doing that in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. an analyst, you're doing that in some way, shape, or form. Right? You're putting together a right. deck that's going to go in front of a team. Right, And your whole goal there is to inspire change within the company, to help people make decisions, to be creative about how you think through solving a problem. Right. Um, and so uh, to go back to my original days uh, before I started at IBM, I mean, I think that there was a part of me that was always kind of looking mm. and longing for this way to express myself. And uh, I've just been working my whole career to kind of get to maybe the, what is the next level of that? Right. It, I think, is is a beautiful uh, way to unpack yourself, right? Like, you don't know what you want. And I've been in those situations as well where, uh, and I say you don't know what you want, that is, on paper, we know what we want to be. Like, I think every human being has that capability to visualize, manifest, or, like, put them put themselves in a, in a, in a set of shoes where they see themselves in the future. Right. I think on paper, everything looks good, but, uh, I think we all have to have that courage to chase that. Like, you know, I think that that part is really tough. Uh, having clarity is also tough, but at least majority of people really know what they want in terms of either tangible or intangible. In your case, I feel, even in my case, I just want to like, you know, 
uh, how can we bring some sort of value to this world? Even if it is one person, that's fine. Or impact, like you know, I'm doing this podcast to just uh, help one person. If if the, if this conversation, like if you know, if someone inspires from Bobby, that's great. I I, I became like a channel for that, right? So, and some have intangible. uh outcomes they want to become millionaires or whatever the shit they like the cars you know big big houses and all that which is which is all good i'm not saying it's bad i think the courage to really chase who you want to be is is tough you know and i'm i'm so glad that you've kind of uh are in that boat which is which is which is amazing in my 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 opinion it's it's a it's an amazing position to be in so uh definitely kudos on that on uh, on on front but the other thing i also want to talk about is uh so equals you didn't it, it was not like a 5 year old or a 10 year old company it's very young is you recently started like 2 years ago 2 3 years ago if i'm not wrong i think around 2021 in this uh macro economy that's where i feel things started like around that time everything went down in a way people are losing jobs and uh, startups are getting actually shut down and all that even till today it's happening how did you actually took up like saying that you know what i will do it like no matter what so where do you get the courage uh what what is your source of that courage well i think in a lot of ways um the the source of the courage is you know um you kind of just have to be comfortable like the the whole name of the game with being a founder is you have to be comfortable with not knowing you have to be mm. you have to that was a, probably the roughest transition for me in the first 6 months after starting equals i mean you know we'd been on this rocket ship at intercom mm. and it was so clear that things were working and it was so clear that it was like it was like oh yeah of course we're growing we grow every month right. it happens um you know obviously <laughs> more complex than that but uh then i started equals and you're like is this going to work is it mm. not going to work what's going to happen um mm. and so i think that you just the thing that i the thing that where courage i think comes from is just being comfortable with the fear and it's just it's not that the fear goes away it's not that you're not afraid it's not that you're certain that it's going to work it's just that you can sit in i like to talk about like sitting in the desert it's kind of like sitting in this this like total unknown place where you're just like I don't know that it's going to work and yeah the macro world around me is falling apart and startups aren't able to raise and VCs are hunkering down and interest rates are going up and SaaS multiples are going down and oh my god doom 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 and you just have to be comfortable with all the madness around it cuz you mm. can't control it you don't know and again it, to me it comes back to what is your all you can control is that you're doing the best that you possibly can and you're putting in the work you're creating something that you think people want that you believe in that inspires you that you hope inspires others mm. and as long as you keep doing that then i trust that things will work out mm. i love that i love the fact that you have to be friends with uncertainty right you should not push it away actually should welcome it you know as a founder like you said you especially in this situations man it, it, you have no clue what's going to happen in you know tomorrow right as we speak 
there is actually a war happening in Israel right now. So not just related to business, freaking anything can happen in this world. Like we're in a situation where you wake up tomorrow, you see a war, like, you know, that's, that's the situation I, I feel as a human being as well. So I was thinking on this point, uh, one of the biggest benefits of building or involving in startups is that you become a better human being, period. Because you, like you said, to your point, you welcome these uncertainties. You have to face that fear every single day, which will be like, you know, uh, a stepping stone to become a better, better human being, right? Uh, I love that. And when you, so I, I want to cover two parts. One is the intercom bit. You know, I'm so fascinated by the fact that 1 million to 200 million is is a massive, massive achievement, right? And uh, we've led many things there. That's one piece. The other piece is why spreadsheets? So let's start, let's start with why spreadsheets. You could have done anything. <laughs> you could have done like so many things with that, with that credential, with that, uh, you know, backup, with that experience, you can build like another fintech company or whatever it is, right? Because you have, you have so much skin in the game. So why the heck you've picked uh, spreadsheets uh, and why do you think you should reinvent spreadsheets? Yeah, this was the question that every VC asked me in the in the very beginning. They're like, are you crazy? Do you know how many thousands of engineers Google Sheets have? Do you know how many thousands of engineers Microsoft have working on Excel? How many years they've been working on it? No chance. I mean, I met so many even um, just like very well-known uh, uh, technologists mm. that told me it wasn't possible. And um, I think the you know, a few things I'd say. One is it was the idea that was just kept, I just kept coming back to. It was just this thing that just, you know, was like burning within me. And it was, um, I think in a lot of ways, there wasn't another company I could go and build. Like there wasn't another idea that was calling me in the same way that this idea was calling. And mm. it, it came from, it was almost kind of meant to be where it came from all of my experiences at Intercom. And it was all the nights and weekends and mistakes I made fumbling around with Excel, fumbling around with Looker and Tableau and Mode and every BI tool out there and every notebook and trying to learn Python and spinning up cron jobs on servers, on Mac minis, under my desk. It was like ridiculous. And it was (laughs) all these things that I had to go through that kind of pointed me towards, hey, equals is something that I Mm. wish had existed and I wish I'd had myself. And so... um. In some ways, there wasn't another company that I could go and start and another idea that I could go pursue as kind of uh, passionately as we have with equals. Mm. Um, but then I think that the uh, the whole thesis behind equals, while it's like almost when we show people the product, so equals is a spreadsheet. It's a spreadsheet that works just like Google Sheets and Excel. All the formulas are the exact same. All the features, pivot tables, charts, everything works the exact same way. So you're in a tool that's already familiar to you. And the main right. benefits of it is, are that one, it's connected to all the places where your data lives. So Snowflake mm-hmm. to Salesforce to QuickBooks to Google Analytics. Mm-hmm. And then it's also connected now to all the places where your team works. So Slack, mm-hmm. email, Google Slides, things like that. Notion, yeah. And when you show people equals, they're like, holy shit, this is so obvious. How does this not exist? This is like such a, like, why does why hasn't anybody built this so far? And I think right. the, well, there's, there's a few reasons why, but 
Um, the main insight that we had, which I think is just so different from everybody else, is that the spreadsheet's actually right. And it's actually mm. the best way to do analysis. Every meaningful business decision that I ever made happened out of a spreadsheet. It still does. And mm. this whole idea of trying to take jobs, take analysis jobs out of the spreadsheet, whether it's via BI tools, whether it's through notebooks, whether it's through you know, more verticalized kind of finance type tools, they just don't, they don't work. They don't work mm. as well as spreadsheets do. It's why people always end up back in one. And so mm. the, the, the idea behind equals is at its purest and simplest, what would it look like to build a spreadsheet that is not 16 years old and 35 years old, uh, which are Google mm. Sheets and Excel? What would it look mm. like to build one that fits this generation's work? Mm. Um, and so that's it. Yeah. I think uh, the advantage of building uh, or reinventing legacy tools like Sheets, uh, you know, Excel is in the, the thing you said, like it, it, Excel sheets, they won't integrate as fluently as into our workflows as equals. Right. I think that is the biggest advantage and the convenience bit is more important in my opinion than when you're reinventing a product, uh, which has already existed in the market for, you know, 40 plus years. Uh, so one curious question, it's a big bet. It's not like a simple bet that you've chased literally after coming out of intercom. So do you had, have you had like any small bets in your mind? Like, you know what, spreadsheets is one of them. I'll also try this. Or is it like, this is bullseye. I just want to do this. And if, if in that case, two questions, right? Do you have small bets, you know, with equals? If no, equals is the one. The second question is like, did you start really small or you went like, you know what, I'll beef up, beef up like right from day one or day zero? Yeah, uh, no other bets. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a all the chips on the table uh, type of person uh, or all, I'm all in with equals. Uh, I think mm. that you can't build something as ambitious. I mean, we won't like, Remember when I showed David Sachs the first demo of Equals, he's like, holy shit, if you pull this off, this is a $100 billion company. And it is. It's true. It's mm. not as ambitious a project as you can possibly take. Um, mm. And that was the most positive reception. So many other people told me, you're crazy. This won't work. You'll never get there. And right. you know, who knows? Maybe they're right. Um, yeah. But um, when you're taking such a big, audacious bet, such a big, audacious swing, I think you got to be all in. And so mm. I'm all in no other bets, no other small bets. Um, and then, um, sorry, the second part of the question. So yeah, you, you, this is, if, if it is a bullseye uh, situation where like, okay, after, right after intercom, I want to do spreadsheets, that's it, period. Did you start small or how did you, how did you actually, I want to understand like, uh, as someone who's, working at a billion dollar company to, you know, building your own thing? Were you, were you starting scrappy? I think Ben is also like, you know, your, your co-founder came from Intercom. So talk to me about the formation of Equals. Yeah. Uh, ben and I talked a lot about this. And I think, um, you know, we take a very different, we took a very different approach than I think most of the conventional startup advice. Um, hmm. We didn't take the MVP approach. We didn't take the start scrappy, start small, 
Um, really? Wow. Mm-hmm. And so we, I mean, when we came out of Intercom, when I came out of Intercom, we went out, we went out and raised, raised money. We raised, you know, that was, we raised our $6 million seed uh, mm. right out of Intercom. And, you know, we'd barely written, we'd written a little bit of code, but not a whole lot. Mm. And the intent there was, um, we actually think that there's a lot of, and this is a lot of, you know, kudos to Ben for a lot of his kind of uh, forward thinking and kind of uh, challenging uh, typical assumptions here. Um, there's too much kind of like MVPing, and mm. we think that there's, um, how do I say this? Um, we spent 15 months, 16 months building equals, hiring a team, working on it, building a fully functioning product before we launched it, before we put it into anybody's hands. We were all in. There was no way, there was no escape. There was no, this thing is going to be something else. It was, we're going to build a fully featured spreadsheet before mm. we launch. And it's going to be ready for when people, when the very first person gets their hands on it. And you know, so many people told us, why don't you start in like one little small part of the spreadsheet? Or why don't you build, instead of building the actual spreadsheet, why don't you go and build like a, you know, a thing that sits on top of Google Sheets and Excel and maybe prove out the right. use case and see that it works. But actually the thing that, how do I say this? Um, taking on some, people don't take on these like crazy, there's, there are not that many crazy crazy ambitious projects like this that people take on when they go and start a company and so Mm. in some ways doing the full build is what made equal special it's like what when we launched it it's what made it so different it's what made it so new it's what made it so exciting to folks um and yeah i don't know yeah i'll leave you there no i think that's a that's a very interesting approach right like we live in a world where people want to see uh try it out new things uh and founders build convent you know conviction on top of customers right that's where they say like you know what let's go all in is it because uh two things two follow-ups there is it because you've raised money you have you you, you feel confident that we can pull this off is it is, is that the thing or is like you know what i'm not nothing nothing about the money or funding i want to freaking build this in the right way and you felt like doing a full size product is the path yeah uh, it's it's i mean it's a combination of both but uh, more so the latter it was hey uh we know that the way that we stand out the way that this is the way that we actually get to see whether or not this works is if we build the full spreadsheet and if this thing is actually what we want it to be, not mm. a, a, um, a uh, small version of it. Or look, the, the thing that we're trying to replace is our Excel and Google Sheets. And the bar for that is so it's, insanely yeah. high. The thing, when people talk about a spreadsheet, I think a lot of the places where people go wrong here is they actually... Um, you know, they try to build a spreadsheet, but they try to build an MVPE type spreadsheet. And they're just, mm. they're just, that's not what people want. The, the expectation again is so, so, so high. And so for us to really see whether or not this was going to work, mm. whether or not the idea for equals would 
be valid in the market, we had to build the full thing, the full thing. Mm. Otherwise we weren't going to get that signal. And so, you know, it's kind of, there are two different types of startups. And, you know, we, we talked a lot about this with the team early on. There's kind of the MVPE type, the YCE type, the YC type startup where, you know, a, a good example here might be a company like Vanta. Vanta, you can kind of, you can build a really scrappy MVP. You're trying to mm. automate the SOC 2 process. So you can probably build like a really simple web app that takes in some certain components and automates some, mm-hmm. some part of the project management cycle. And you kind of iterate and cycle your way through adding more and more to that. But mm. you've, you've found a problem in the world where it's, there's not a current software solution for. And so mm. you can kind of like bite your way through parts of that problem. Mm. Vanta would be like, but the, 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 the issue with that is it's easy to get started, but it's also easy for lots of folks to get started. So that's why Vanta has so many sure. different competitors, why there's so many SOC 2 automation companies now. Right. Then you get the other side of the spectrum, which are companies like Equals or companies like Figma or Notion, mm. where those companies took a ton. It's a huge product to build, huge mm. product to build, ambitious product to build. And those companies take years and years and years to build. But why is there not another Figma? Why is there not? because it's so hard to build. Um, mm. And so you kind of have to build it all. You have to build, you know, the full, um, the full product for it to be useful for people to want to use it. It has to work exactly as people want it to work. Uh, and so, but that then becomes your moat if you build the full thing. It's also interesting. Um... I feel what I'm, what I'm understanding is that when you're reinventing an existing industry, in this case, spreadsheets, uh, in, in that niche, uh, going with an MVP can be seen as in like a, like a quick move, uh, but you won't penetrate into the market with command, right? Uh, another example that comes to my mind is uh, Neva, this search engine. They started as a search engine competing with Google. And they didn't do the MVP route. You know, the founder, Sridhar, uh, is a good mentor. He said, yeah, so we're going to raise money backed by uh, Greylock. We're going to do this in the right way, build a full-pledged platform, and then, like, you know, they launched. So they they took a ton of time. I feel the two routes, I feel there is no, uh, I think you have to pick the route according to your situation, you know, there's no right or wrong in my opinion. Right. Uh, but the, my curious thing is in both cases, uh, failure is, you know, non-negotiable, right. You know, either you're doing MVP, you can fail, you're building, taking time, full pledged product fail. So I always pick this route. I was, I was never in this bucket like what you you were in uh, i wish i was you know probably in the future but i was always in the in the bucket of like doing things in the small scale understanding from a user customer and doing things what they want right like iterate 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 and then you know move forward so talk to me about uh, how the iteration works when you are doing you know things for yourself so you still show it to you know potential customers or take feedback and then build or you just have this gut feeling that you build up a roadmap, hit it, 
heart attack and like you know make it perfect yeah i think that i mean i think the advantage that i have and 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 i i don't think i could do a full build like a what we call like this full build startup um were it not for the fact that i have done the job and i've been the person that i'm trying to sell to and so uh, a lot of uh, what guided our early iterations was just me knowing mm. me having done the job me having been that person and so i'd sit with ben my co-founder and then the rest of the eng team and we'd look at designs and um we'd dream up ideas and how should data sheets work how should connections work how should scheduling work how should all these things and a lot of that right. was just informed by you know i've lived in these tools for 10 years and mm. so we did do some you know i would get on calls with folks and show them figma prototypes and mock-ups and things like that and try to get feedback and uh and some of that was useful uh it's also just really hard to take feedback though when you don't have when somebody's not paying you for it when they're not mm. actually using it like you get a lot of you get a lot of oh it'd be cool if it did this it'd be cool if it did that and then you you're like yeah that would be cool but is that actually useful and is it actually something that you want or is it something that you're just kind of you're just trying to kind of you know build up ideas mm. um and so for me, it was a lot of just following my own intuition. And uh, Ben also, um, you know, Ben was Intercom's head of growth. So he had a lot of, uh, he did a lot of early analyses. He and I worked together uh, very closely. So a lot of it just came from from us. Mm. That's, a, that's a very, I would say it's a very different path <laughs> to what I generally like, you know, hear, right? So I love that. But I uh, couldn't do that just- just to be clear, I couldn't do that if I was going out and starting like a, um, you know, like a crypto company or something like I, some some mm-hmm. something that I have no experience in. Or if I was going out and right. starting, you know, trying to build the next um, Figma, right? Like I would have no right. idea. I'd have to be sitting every day talking to folks and uh, iterating and probably starting small because I don't have a grand vision for what it should look like because I've not done the job. And so sure. the thing that, again, the thing that I come back to is, I am the person who I'm selling to. And so uh, that's given me a huge advantage, not just from a product perspective, but also from a marketing perspective, from a content perspective. Um, That's been a, yeah, just been a huge asset for for us. Absolutely. I think you you have, we have to build uh, products for ourselves, right? Like it, it, it's already hard to build something from scratch. And if, it will be even harder if you're if you don't know the the persona you're building for that's like <laughs> that's like shooting in in the void completely like you know at least doing something for yourself you will use it probably your friends who are you know in the same bucket will use it and whatnot i think that applies fundamentally that's like the, the default state build something for yourself and uh, empathy you will have that empathy you will have that you know inside knowledge skin in the game uh, very much compared to like you know doing something else i think the other the other school of other uh, school of thought i want to mention is uh, i think in the iterative approach of building mvp talking to customers there is a chance to build in public right like you you kind of uh, narrate your story uh, so in your case have you tried that like in that 16 18 months doing things in public exposing these figma prototypes how did you kind of uh, you know thought about like doing things in public we were very uh we were 
not public at all about what we were building. Uh, Equals mm. was a mystery to almost everybody for the first 16, 18 months. The thing mm. that I did do, so we didn't show, share fr prototypes, we didn't share screenshots of the product, nothing. Um, and that added a bit to the suspense of our public launch, which, you know, um, once we did, uh, went really well. But mm. the thing that I did do, uh, knowing that um, our audience were folks like me, was right. I wrote a lot um and so mm. you know, i i'm not an engineer i'm not a designer so the things that i didn't have a lot to do in the first 16 18 months i mean <laughs> I, I had to hire i had to help the team kind of stay on you know give feedback on product talk to people right. um but then the other thing i did was just write uh, mm. and um it was a lot of just writing letters to myself it was writing letters to wow. bobby years ago of like what do i wish i had known in my career what do i wish i had known from a finance perspective from an analytics perspective and we have found you, have you released them or is it like is it oh yeah, yeah. All, no they, all our early blog uh so raptext.equals.com is our blog mm -hmm. um, so i wrote you know a post a week on rap text for the first 16 18 months and wow. uh, we got so much inbound interest from those just people signing up for our wait list for equals nice. ended up having just conversations that would then turn into customers to process uh, to turn into um you know leads for us down the line mm -hmm. uh, and so it was just that was me just starting to build a reputation for equals as a place right. of knowledge and credi credibility and um and so that was my early job it was not about equals specifically but it was about how can i yeah go back to this kind of intent of like helping people, inspiring people. How can I just take what mm. I've learned and make it useful for others? Love that. I think you basically have to do the things you, um, where you find insanely strengthy or like you have that strength in you. I think in your case, it's writing. Uh, you basically have to do anything that moves the needle, right? Like uh, not need to be. Berlin Public is... Uh, so popular these days and everybody stumbles because they copy others because someone else is sharing their numbers i have to share these numbers as well as a founder and a lot of times they don't work because they're doing they're following other people's playbook yeah. i love the fact that what you mentioned you followed your intuition gut feeling in your own intention right so i i, I love the fact that you know i think people should realize that more than anything uh and play your own you know strengths let's talk about your popular blog post which i read and i think that that actually really helped me as well to understand um, how to do pricing and all that and you you said uh, freemium actually almost killed equals right uh, so talk to me about the before the during and the after like before it was on waitlist you launched on product hand uh, I was there uh, to support. <laughs> Kudos on getting Golden Kitty too, uh, by the way. Thank you. And so, yeah, talk to me about the whole transition. What can you advise founders when they are struggling? Pricing is such a struggle, Bobby. Let me tell you that. I've struggled so much. I'm, I'm no, I didn't build like huge companies, but I did a couple of SaaS products. Even then, it's so, it's a struggle to actually find that right, you know, uh, signal. So talk to me about that pricing, how you think about pricing, what advice do you give? And the before, the during freemium, 
in the after. Yeah. I mean, pricing is hard. It's just hard and it takes a lot of iteration. It takes a lot of different experimentation and trying different things. I think in general, people underprice. Uh, that's just a, a bias that mm. folks have. And so um, I've always found success when I've kind of challenged myself to increase prices. And mm. uh, this goes back to the piece too, adding kind of healthy friction into your uh, onboarding mm -hmm. process mm -hmm. tends to, in my experience, has only tended to kind of improve um, but the, the story with equals is really simple. We launched equals. We took a superhuman -y type approach to kind of onboarding mm -hmm. folks at the beginning. So you had to sign up for our wait list. Then we manually onboarded uh, all of our early customers that really helped us. One, we knew the product was still kind of buggy and there were some issues and we wanted to make sure people were set up in the right way. We wanted to make sure people, we understood what people were trying to do with with equals mm -hmm. and that we could really solve that use case as opposed to, mm -hmm. um, you know, them trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, so we went through that approach for a while and that got us to our series a, which was awesome. And then, you know, it was, uh, it was a moment where we said, Hey, we just put on, we put $16 million on the balance sheet. We've got almost infinite runway now. Um, we feel like we can take a really big bet and mm. the, there was this kind of pull for, you know, we looked at a lot of the kind of darlings of SAS. We looked at Notion mm -hmm. and Figma at Airtable and we said, Hey, those folks have a free version of the product. They're a little bit consumer oriented mm -hmm. equals. We're trying to build the next spreadsheet. Everybody mm -hmm. needs a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. We should be free too. And so we dropped prices, we introduced a free tier, we moved some paying customers over to free, we slashed our ARR pretty meaningfully, and we tried to make this free experiment work for six, for six months, eight months. Mm -hmm. And um, the thing that we learned was, I mean, you just saw it across the board. It was like everything was worse. It was like mm. we didn't people weren't activating in the product uh people weren't as engaged the rate at which people then ultimately became a paid customer way down um mm. and i think it had to do a lot with the kind of the the seriousness and the and the inertia that somebody had when they were getting into the product when they saw it was free it was like this little toy that they could tinker with and it was just like oh cool equals yeah okay i've seen it mm. you know, let me just jump in and let me try it out okay okay i'll come back to it it's free i'll just come back to it as opposed to you know uh after doing that for about six, eight months, we then reverted back to, we're not like the superhuman style. You can still self-serve equals, but we do require you to put a credit card out in up front, start a trial, you get a 14 day free trial. Um, mm -hmm. And then for a lot of folks, we do also uh, put you through kind of a, you know, ha have you talk to somebody on the team here? Cause there are more, uh, you know, uh, uh, intense kind of, not intense, but just, uh, um, involved onboarding uh, processes mm -hmm. um but the as we started to introduce more friction again we just saw everybody way more folks doing the things that we actually wanted them to do mm. to be successful with equals connecting a data source building their first analyses sharing it with their team 
And it's the motivation of, I've got some skin in the game. I put my credit card in. I know I'm going to pay for this. I know uh, mm -hmm. in order for me to see the product, I've got to sign up for a plan and okay, well, I signed up now. Let me actually like go through the process of like picking a data source, connecting it and maybe spending 10 minutes to like build my first analysis. You're just much mm -hmm. more able to harness that, that momentum uh, right. with a user. And so my advice to founders, I guess here would just be follow the thing that's working in your business. It's really rare to find something that does work mm. and follow that. And also know that like, like I, I'm really grateful we did the free thing. I'm really grateful that we did it. It didn't work because now I'm not, I'm not thinking for the next five right. years, like equals needs to be free equals needs to be free equals needs to be free like that. That I know would have been bugging me. We had so many discussions about that at intercom because we never tried it. Mm. And uh, it was always too scary to try because it was too much revenue at risk. So I got it out of the way, got it out of my system, but you just have to try things and you just have to mm. kind of follow the metrics, be willing to make mistakes, see what you learn, revert, or double down on things that are working. I think more friction means more serious people. And when you have more serious people in the buckets, you can upsell a lot of other things because they're already bought in. They, you don't have to sell them. Uh, it's tough, right? Like it's not, it's not a piece of cake that, you know, it's not talk. The walk is really tough when, it, when, when you add more friction to it. And I think going back to your point of, uh, you know, having that courage to face the fear. I think it applies here as well. You just have to live with the fact that you won't be encouraging or, you know, attracting masses. You'll be having a hand chunk of people, set of people, and your focus is to like nurture them, provide value to them, build products, features to them. And like, you know, eventually, uh, I think, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a debate, right? Like, you know, a lot of, uh, SaaS founders, they just go through this battle back and forth, back and forth. I think your point, trying is more important than finding a perfect solution because, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the process of trying, you just like, you know, find it, what, what works for you. Yeah, I think uh, I wanted to ask one thing about the same flow. Were you like kind of, so what are the disadvantages of not going freemium in your opinion, right? Like, we all know the pros and do you suggest because it's a complex product attracting serious buyers makes sense versus for a very simple product you can try freemium and actually live with the with the cost yeah i think that uh, you know and i wish there was a like a really simple kind of framework here and i think uh you know the simplest thing i could come back to is kind of uh free is most likely to work when your addressable market is absolutely huge and you're able mm. to tap that addressable market. So like, you know, an equals fit set, right? Our addressable market mm. is absolutely huge. Um, and you're able to tap it and tap it well. So you've got like really strong top of funnel. Uh, that's something that I think uh, is hard to create, um, but is true for companies like, you know, Notion and Figma and Airtable. Like they were really good in the early days at building up uh, uh, getting people to 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 come to them, um, 
And then I think it's also free also works. So free works when you've got a huge addressable market, but then you've also got a really kind of quick time to value in the product. Mm -hmm. And so you can get to something that's very easy to set up and you've got Mm. that, you get to that first kind of magic moment really quickly. Mm. And for equals, that's, that's, I think where we struggled because equals is you have to, and this is, it's also intercom, right? Like, in both cases, you have to do some sort of like technical installation. So with Intercom, it was you had to put the JavaScript on your website. Mm-hmm, and with mm-hmm. Equals, it's you have to integrate some sort of data source. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then uh, with Equals, it's like once you have a data source integrated, um, you have to go and build an analysis. You have to get something, you have to pull some data down and do something with it. And that sure. could take, you know, 10 minutes. It could take two hours, depending on the right. thing you're trying to do. And so, um, when people don't have skin in the game, it's just hard to get them to go through that entire process. Right. Uh, so that's kind of my, my, my like very, very, very simple framework. And again, free works for lots of people. Like, you know, I think Loom just, you know, Loom just got acquired and yeah, yeah. free was a huge part of their uh, early success. And, right. um, you know, but again, that's like a really massive market really simple product to get started with yeah yeah i love yeah i think you, i agree to your point uh, i think getting many users uh will help scale the company in many ways uh but if the product makes sense to you know do that if the product is not willing to do that then you know encouraging more users to just sign up and sitting there <laughs> doesn't work so i'm glad that you kind of experimented all that and i you know i really appreciate you sharing you know the whole journey with us a couple of more points before i want to tap tap into the your intercom brain uh the thing that that excelled you know 200 200 million dollar revenue and all so one is uh regarding to equals uh spreadsheets are a crowded market right it's not it's not like there are only two big players. It's not monopolized. There are like so many options. People tried so many times. And I, even now I feel Airtable is one of the, you know, one of the players, in the market that are, that are appealing to consumers, right? Uh, talk to me about like how you handle uh, competition, you know, how do you handle, how do you sit with these, you know, with these names and players and yet like, you know, find your, find the niche because I know I, I kind of sense your answer because you're doing things for yourself. You are finding a persona uh, in others, but I want to I want to learn about like how you think about it. Yeah. Um, well, there's many different use cases of the spreadsheet, and this is like what I, we always came back come back to is uh, so air like the spreadsheet can be used for Excel specifically can be used for and has been used for so 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 many different things. Excel is a at times it's a it's a financial modeling tool. At times, it's been a database. At times, it's a project management sure. tool. At times, it's a calendar. Right. At times, it's a to-do right. list. You know, it's just there's so many different use cases of Excel and so Airtable, Smartsheets. I'd, I'd argue like Coda and Notion are versions of mm-hmm. this too, mm-hmm. have just picked use cases of the spreadsheet and built massive companies out of them. Right. So, so Airtable, for example, is a spreadsheet as a database. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Smartsheets is a spreadsheet as a project management tool. Uh, mm-hmm retool to a certain degree is like the spreadsheet is like an application for a company mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um yeah, internal applications and whatnot yeah yeah 
Coda and Notion, I'd argue, are like the spreadsheet meets the doc type of thing. Yeah, yeah. the workflows, internal team workflows, you know, yeah. And so what Equals is, is Equals wants to be, and this is where there's nobody else, like, you know, BI tools have kind of tried to take parts of this. Like BI tools are like the spreadsheet, but like the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. automated graph. Right, um, right. Equals is the spreadsheet for analysis. Like it's taking that job, which is very different from what Airtable is trying to do, which is very different from Smartsheets, which is very mm-hmm. different from what Coda and Notion are trying to do, very different from what BI tools try to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the we're we're going after the job that is, hey, this is a, a spreadsheet as a tool that you use to analyze your business. Equals will be the best tool for that. Mm. How did you end up in that? Like again, uh, when you when you feel about spreadsheets, why analysis? I think uh, because you've done so much in the past that made you appeal a, which is you know very fair. Anything else that? that you know drive do you like you know what this is the sweet spot well how can you find a sweet spot when when it is so much crowded with so many use cases as a, as a founder uh, yeah. what advice do you give for other founders i mean it was partly my own experience it was like hey yeah like this is i lived in excel doing doing analysis for intercom for previous companies and i was like there has to be a better way than this like i wish that excel could do the things that now equals does and so that's where it kind of uh, came from. And then it was also not just living in Excel, but it was also living in BI tools and being like, oh my God, I could do this 10 times faster if I could just use Excel, but then Excel has these shortcomings. And it was like, all of a sudden I, you started to kind of see this, like, it was just like, man, I wish I could do this this way. <laughs> I wish I had a spreadsheet that could do this. And that was it. Then the idea, then the idea came and, it wasn't like uh, this outside-in view. It wasn't like, uh, you know, yeah. okay, let me go analyze the market and say like, mm. okay, let me break down. This is a job that BI. This is a job that BI tools do. This is a job that Coda does. This is a job that Airtable does. It wasn't like anything that I just articulated. That came after mm. the idea. That came mm. in my explanation of what equal should be. It was I wish I had a tool that did this. Mm. Oh my God, that would be amazing. Hey, Sally, wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Like, oh my God, I wish I had that too. And then it's like, okay, why? Why does this? Then you start to put it into the world and you kind of fit it into these categories. Uh, that's how it happened for me, not not the other way around. I love it so much because I love the story of equals, um, you know, in a weird, different way. All the things you said, uh, I, I hear that back and back and back with uh, many, many SaaS founders, but they're, they're not ambitious. They're not ambitious projects. I'm not judging anything. I'm, I'm saying that you've had a gut feeling about a huge opportunity. So I just want to acknowledge that, like, you know, <laughs> thank you. Because yeah. That's very rare. Like it's, it's, it's Sridhar thinking about search in terms of privacy lens, like for about Neva. Like Neva is all about privacy. You you own your data. You're not selling any data of, you know, just like Google does uh, and all that. Like you're not exposing your data, right? That is very fascinating. And I just want to like, you know, I think I wish we hear more of these stories, like taking big, big bets coming out of a gut feeling, right? Like it almost feels like Apple took a big bet on uh, on mobile 
right when nobody's else like looking at it right you know uh, so just just want to say Thank that you. it's amazing to you know hear that my philosophy uh, on that is if you're going to put all this work into it but as well just make it as big of bet as you can possibly make right yeah exactly talk to me about the funding 6 million 16 million seed series say i think series say you have an advantage you have you have product customers uh how do you advise people to go from uh seed with without a product uh number one how did you end up being that 6 million dollar mark like as a seed round do you have like any calculations like you know do you take runway as as a as a metric what do you, what is your thought process of going you know funding yeah uh well for the seed it was uh for the seed it was really simple it was hey uh we know we have all this we basically set out a product roadmap we said these are all the things we want to build <laughs> then ben and i sat down and we said okay how many people do we think we need to hire to be able to build all this in the next 18 months and you know it was a very high level guess and then we said okay in order to do that we think we need 4 million dollars to have to be able to launch the product and then to give ourselves a runway to get enough traction to get to a series a and then we ran a process to go raise 4 million dollars and we ended up with 6 um mm. and um the the thing that i'd say on the seed because i think a lot of people will say like how did you go raise that much money without the yeah. product um my my fundraising started eight years eight years before i started equals at intercom like that for wow. me was it was and look i wasn't doing it intentionally or explicitly but it was my time at intercom and bens too where we did exceptional work we just we we helped build that company from mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. ben was intercom's first employee i was their 20th employee um we helped build that company for 8 years and so being in the trenches i was you know i would join every i was in every board meeting i was in every mm-hmm. fundraising process i you know helped owen raise we raised over almost 200 million dollars mm-hmm, over the course mm-hmm. of seven years and I got to know investors as a part of that. I got to build mm. relationships with them. And so part of the fundraising journey for Equal started from all the relationships and all the credibility um mm. and all the experience that I got to build uh, at Intercom and that's how we were able to go and raise that. I promise you I would not there's no way that me coming out of IBM could have gone gone and raised a 6 million dollar uh seed mm. just wouldn't have happened. um mm. and so that's our story and that's kind of the way it worked out for us mm. um it wasn't like i showed up with it i mean i did we it was a we put our deck our deck our seed deck is public so people can uh, go and look at it um but it's not like you know that was it that was what got us the seed it was all the years before that and the relationships that we built up uh that enabled um mm. us to to do that And then the series A is like you said it's all about just traction and you know um you know can you tell a credible story of the future uh, and how the business starts to build and we can talk about that but that's a that's a very different kind of um yeah that's very different fundraise. Yeah 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 no no I feel uh, agree uh I think it looks like you you can raise fundraise based on credibility and it won't happen over time it you know it requires a lot of uh time and relationship building um and 
the the common theme i find it among founders is most at least like you know some folks they raise on promise saying that they show the promised land this is where we're going and you know the conviction and some folks they raise on like you know actual clarity like hey we have this much we want to go this and we need money to go you know from point a to point b uh but yeah every every story is different right that's why it's it's special uh let's i think yeah i know we are kind of on time a couple of more questions on on intercom how the heck how the heck bobby how the heck you did <laughs> took intercom from 1 million to 200 million i want to spill all your all the secrets <laughs> i would love to love to like you know uh get into details like that's a massive feat by the way you know eight years 200 million it's like so huge you know yeah uh, that itself is shows like you know how credible you are right so what's what's the secret like for for scaling launching i think you've talked about it uh kind of growing we talked about it but scaling is a different beast so talk to me about how you scale from how you did with intercom and you, what advice you give for founders when they think about scaling their businesses yeah um well f- i mean maybe the first thing i'd say is just like there was a certain you know um there was just so many amazing amazing people in the early intercom days um that's what that's what did the 1 to 200 million it, you know it was mm. this, just this like magical chemistry of a, a bunch of brilliant people brilliant people mm. and what they do across product across design engineering marketing sales um finance analytical special kind of uh, early group of individuals and then um <clears throat> on the scaling side the thing that i always and and you always I, f- i find a lot of founders and a lot of like early operators kind of fall into this trap is you you think that it's just going to get easier <laughs> you mm. think like okay i'm going to make this next hire i'm going to do this next thing and it's going to get and that's going to take this problem away but you don't know the five other problems that's going to create or the other headaches that it's going to make or that you know you're going to go raise oh wow we're going to go raise a 30 million dollar series b and it's going to be incredible and then oh my god imagine all these people will be able to hire and then we'll be able to build all the things that we want to build and oh it's going to become so easy the market will just you know revenue will just boom <laughs> and nobody is you know, you're like you sit there and you think all that th- you think all that stuff and then you raise a 30 million dollar series b and you're like oh my god what have we done we've like taken all this responsibility and now we have these massive targets in front of us and oh my god we have these huge teams that we have to get to perform and the teams aren't you know they're not working together well and they're arguing and this and that and blah 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 so so more change. money more more money more problems right yeah biggie <laughs> said it right exactly uh <laughs> so you trade certain set of challenges for other challenges and so there's there's mm. always this feeling like things are going to get easier they're not you're just your job changes and you just have to adapt to it and you kind of have to throw away you just you kind of have to become a new version of yourself at different stages and it just is adapting mm. to what the company needs and so you know as an early leader in the company it, like in the very early stages of the leader in the company you're just doing and you're leading mm. by doing it and you're showing people this is how it's done i'm going to do it i'm pushing forward we're launching this thing i'm doing it i'm putting the tweet out i'm doing the thing and blah blah blah, blah. And then after that it becomes okay you know now my job becomes discerning great great talent how do i find people that are better at the thing that i'm doing mm-hmm. 
and how do I make them, how do I convince them to join and then make sure that they're excited about what they're working on. And then after that, it becomes, okay, how do we not just hire individuals, but then hire teams and organize those teams. And it just, you become a different type of leader and you approach Mm -hmm. your work in a different way. And you spend a lot of your time just, um, making sure that you're communicating back to the teams where they need to go, how they need to work, uh, empowering people across the teams, opening up lines of communication, just a very different, um, Mm. a very different job, but you kind of just have to go through it to like, you know, you, you just have to be willing to like shed that skin at every stage. And it starts to feel, you'll feel it when it's happening. Cause you'll feel like you're, you're working in one way and it's not working anymore. You're working in mm. like the way that you were working and it's like, you're hitting your head against the wall and it's the, the team's not responding to it or it's not working the same way that it was working before. And so you just have to kind of find those moments and adapt. That's so amazing. I think just to summarize, you have to go from doing to delegating, right? Like at, at some point you won't be doing anything, any of the things that you wish, you know, you were doing before you were more like, finding people, incredible people who actually do things on your behalf. I think that's the, I love the way you actually projected the phases. Uh, what really worked at Intercom that you are right now implementing at Equals? Uh, again, scaling bit. Um, a bunch of things. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, our whole, the way we build product, the, the, the detail that we put into the product, the design forward, uh, nature of who we are, um, the way that we con the way that we develop content, the way that we market, uh, we mm. always lead with the product. I mean, you'll see if you go follow me on social media, or you go follow equals, what you'll see is screenshots of the product, videos, demos, like everything mm-hmm. we do is product centric. Mm-hmm. And that all comes from our intercom DNA. Like that's what we did at intercom. Mm. Um, and then you know, internally, we have a lot of similar traditions. We, you know, we, we're constantly shipping. We're shipping updates to the product, you know, tens of times a day. Um, we uh, celebrate uh, shipping really quickly. We do mm-hmm. demos every Friday uh, across the team. So people stand up, stand up in front of the company. And this is something we did at Intercom too and showcase nice. their work, show what they built. In your first week of joining Equals, you're expected to demo something. Um, nice, and awesome. so a lot of those kind of early traditions from intercom we pull uh, pull into equals. The, the culture within equals is um, is so kind of collaborative. If I'm not wrong, of, of course, at the end of the day, you're, you're creating a collaborative tool, so you have to <laughs> you have to encourage that culture. Uh, what worked really well out of out of the team, like uh, that when when it comes to scaling, especially at intercom, what can you share some tactics uh, or some frameworks? Founders, you should do this. You shouldn't do this. You know, you should avoid doing this. Um, I think for the team, um, what's worked for us has been, well, one has just been hiring people that we know and trust and that have worked, that we've worked with. Um, I've been really fortunate to be able to hire a lot of folks that I got to work with at Intercom. Um, and so when they come mm. in, it's just like people I know and trust and I know how they work and we know how to communicate and we have similar kind of values and how we work. Um, 
I think we also have done a really good job of just setting expectations for people um, mm. at the company that uh, Equals is a place where you're coming to do your absolute best work. And mm -hmm. in some ways, um, you know, it's, uh, it's high pressure. It's, you know, we expect a lot of one another. We expect that when you build something or when you ship something, it's like incredibly high quality. Mm -hmm. uh, and we really only hire the best and keep the best. And so um, it just, when you're on a high performing team and you look around you and all you see are other incredibly high performers, it brings out the best in you. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, know, greatness we, rubs on greatness, right? Like, yeah, and but you as like the founder have to be, you have to be like ruthless. You have to kind of be, you know, you have to be willing to, um, you know, bet and hire people, but also, you know, let go, pe let people go if they're not performing uh, and do so quickly because underperformers can, you know, people, sure. other people on the team will pick up on that and notice that. And so mm -hmm. uh, you just have to, you have to keep the bar really, really high. Mm hmm and it's a it's a difficult job <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's you know that's yeah that's that's how you have to do it i mean if, if that's if that's you know you have to decide whether or not that's the type of culture and uh space that you want to create but um, mm -hmm. i have found that if you have a really small high performing team that will outperform a large yep yep you know, team of B players. Hundred percent. So, quick story. Uh, when I was at Product Hunt, I was we. I, I first of all, I was very fascinated by the fact that Product Hunt is such a small team. <laughs> I thought always as an outsider, so big, like hundred plus, two hundred plus people is working. You know, maintaining that huge community and whatnot. Hell no. And I joined. I I was I think twenty third higher wow. in the in the whole flow. And I'm like, damn, that's fascinating. There are only like 23 people and they're all distributed. But they work in, you know, we all worked in systems, like perfect, perfect systems, right? There's no, uh, there's all, we're all in sync. I love that, you know, I love working in small teams, you know, just resonating with you. Yeah. I think there is a, there is a chance to uh, exhibit your talents and also learn from others very quickly. You know, you know, I hate... I used to work at Fortune 500 companies and I hated it so bad. You can't get creative. You know, people will shut down just for no reason. There is no chance for failure. They always aim for like, you know, you to succeed. And I hate that. You have to try different things. And, you know, so I love the fact that you are still equals is also, I think, under 20, if I'm not wrong, 15. Yeah, we're about 20. Uh, yeah, so maintaining that small team mentality is really high. Uh, really like, you know, I love that mentality. If I were to build a startup in the future, for sure. It's always small set of people, ambitious, aiming high, and ready to fail. Like take up the you know challenge and whatnot. Uh, what's next for Equals? Do you wanna do you wanna share like where you where where you, what you're thinking? Uh, you have some, I think, uh, announcement. I guess. Yeah, we're um, well. We're we've got a uh, an upcoming launch. Um, we're launching a whole new uh, 
component of equals. So equals, like I said, is kind of uh, the, the first idea, the first kind of big bet with equals that it's connected, it's spreadsheet connected to all the places where you do your analyses or mm. that you pull your data from. Um, but the next big bet for us is uh, actually going aggressively after uh, BI tools and trying to solve for the, the, the job of a BI tool. Mm. Um, BI tools in a lot of ways, they are born from spreadsheets. They're born mm -hmm. from, like I said, trying to pull one one specific job out of a spreadsheet, which is data visualization. Mm -hmm. And if you go and look in most companies and you look at the way that most analysts work today, they work in a really roundabout way. They start by building an analysis in an Excel or Google mm. Sheets environment. They prototype it. They might prototype a dashboard. They share it across the company. Mm. They get buy-in. People are like, okay, great. That Those metrics looks good. Then the analyst takes that and they spend the next two weeks throwing that up into Tableau into a dashboard that then nobody goes and looks at. But if mm. they do and something breaks, then they pull all that data back down into Excel and they figure out why it broke and then they fix it back up in Tableau. Mm. And we kind of look at that. I mean, I've lived that workflow. And mm. we look at that and we say, the only reason people do that is because the spreadsheet doesn't automate this. You can't do a, you can't build a dashboard in a spreadsheet. You can't build a fully automated uh, spreadsheet, uh, dashboard in a spreadsheet. And mm. so what we're launching now is dashboards. Uh, so Pretty you can cool. take with equals, you can build auto-updating tables, auto-updating charts. You can build it from the comfort of a spreadsheet. And then you can throw it up on a dashboard. Nice. So there's a new type of tab within equals that's called the dashboard tab. And, um, and then you can push that dashboard into different places. So you can push it into Slack. You can push it into email. You can push it into Google Slides. That's where right. we're starting. And that just lets you kind of disseminate information across an organization much, much, uh, mm. much more quickly. I love that. Yeah, definitely. Good. Are you launching on Product Hunt or just la launching, you know, generally? We are. We're, we'll be on Product Hunt um, on the 24th of October, so next Tuesday. Very nice. Uh, awesome. Recording. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be there, you know, uh, rooting for you for sure. Uh, last thing before we close. Uh, again, we talked about courage. We talked about uncertainty. We, we kind of talked about, you know, being ambitious. Uh, I think these are the qualities that make founders great and where do bobby find the the psyche or do you want to call like you know the, the the process the creative process or how do you keep up your feet going every single day yeah it's hard uh don't believe me there's days and moments when i doubt myself and i'm scared and mm -hmm. that is all you can feel I'll tell you a story, which is the, the, um, and this is kind of something I just constantly come back to. And this is where I think I find my, my own kind of like perseverance and ambition. Uh, I remember the day, it was maybe two days before I was going into pitch Andreessen for the Series A. Mm. And, uh, I was re really nervous. Uh, you know, mm. I'm like, shit, I'm going to go pitch the whole firm. And, um, you know, uh, who am I to hmm. go and, you know, tell these great technologists, people that have backed some of the absolute best companies and founders mm -hmm. on the planet ever about an idea I have and ask them for money. And, and I think there was a moment, you know, as I was kind of like sitting with my fear and my anxieties and my doubts, 
it was a moment where I was, it just became really clear to me that this is where, this is actually like where I belong. This is what I've been working towards my whole life. Mm. This is like what I've been working on. This is like, I spent the last 10 years getting to this point. And mm. uh, I think as when you can remind yourself that actually what you're doing for me, it was like, what I'm doing is what I'm supposed to be doing. And this is where I belong. And this is who I am. And this is, uh, what I'm meant to be doing. Then it was like, all of a sudden it was like, no, actually like, I'm going to bring all these people along with me. Like, even though they're the best technologists on the planet, I am going to inspire them with the thing that I am supposed to be doing. And so for me, it's just reminding myself that I'm doing the thing that I'm supposed to be doing. And when I'm, when I come from that place, then I have all this energy and this excitement and I know it's right. And it doesn't mean it's guaranteed to work, but if I can convey that energy and that excitement and that passion, then I think it's much more likely to work. And I think other people will uh, be inspired and hope that other people will be inspired to come along with me. Wow. That's awesome. Uh, man, you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> that was very uh i think you have to have this uh self talk right like it goes two ways one it can bring you down or it can pump you up uh you just have to like switch you know and mostly we should rely on pumping us up because you know we are our own believers no one no one else would believe in us if we don't believe in ourselves so i'm so glad you did that and I think to your point, I just also want to acknowledge that I think Naval quoted this many times. It takes 10 years to build a career. And that hit me so hard that I actually let go all the expectations of winning. And the way I work is I'll just give it a try, see if it works. Give it a try, see if it works. And to me, I want to give myself like that 10 year window, like the way you did, right? Like, learn everything, squeeze as much as I can from other people, the best smart people out there and gather as much uh, knowledge as I can so that I can implement it on a year to year basis. And I feel, you know, it didn't, you are, you seem to be like people think about you as an overnight success, but you've put so much work in the last eight years, making those connections, building this, you know, beautiful company intercom and maintaining those relationships and now you 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 know it's your chance right so i just want to acknowledge that it, it requires a lot of lot of patience and time to do something and you know and be good at it right many people stumble starting day one hey why am i not good because you didn't put enough time uh or doing uh not doing enough uh beyond it so yeah bobby then- this has been yeah, so sorry. The last thing I said, just build on that and then just trust that at every step along the way you're doing the thing that's right. You're you're doing mm. the thing you're you're in the place that you're supposed to be. Because mm. I think a lot of people also say I'm not I'm 3 years into this and it's not working or I I'm not as successful as I thought I was going to be or whatever it is and actually maybe you're just but maybe you're just supposed to be going through the thing that you're going through which is going to open up the thing that's going to happen for mm. you 2 3 years down the line and you just don't you know, just trust that it's, it's happening for a reason. And you're going to, if you can learn from it and you can keep going, it's happening perfectly. I love that. Yeah. Trust, face uncertainty, uh, 
and you know have the courage to take a shot i think that's really important bobby this has been so so great you know uh, i thought you'll going you're going to drop a lot of tactical knowledge but uh, you also i'm so glad that you also like kind of shared uh, your you know your founder energy which is i feel i can resonate with i can't resonate with you about you know scaling a company that i'm still learning from you but i'm definitely kind of you know feeling very relevant when you say about hey things are going to be really bad at some days you just have to show up and you have to have that courage to like you know uh, stand up again so thank you so much for for you know sharing your story and you know inspiring again a lot of folks here who are listening including myself uh, appreciate you for doing everything you're doing for for the startup community and for, and making spreadsheets more more sexy and more cool <laughs> Oh yeah, of course. This is really <laughs> fun. I'm glad that uh thank you for a lot of the probing questions and uh giving us a platform to be able to share uh, and inspire others. Um I'm really grateful for that. Absolutely. That's it folks. Uh again, I'm, my job, my role is to bring Bob, folks like Bobby and you know, uh make them share like these amazing stories and help you inspire. And I hope one of you take up the story of bobby and like doing and playing long right like doing more enough in uh being very patient and having that courage to try so that's it for today uh, i'll be back with another episode but stay tuned more founders and you know uh, vcs are going to be on the show i'm excited for the next lineup and till then take care